Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Okay, so this morning is an introduction to the book of Jonah, and a strange and weird book that the book of Jonah is. We're going to hear from... um, Tim Mackey, who runs the Bible Project here in a little bit, because the truth is is that I could try, you know, for like 15 years to like pin down the meaning and key themes of the book of Jonah, but Tim Mackey from the Bible Project, I would still fall short of like how good this overview of the book of Jonah is. There are several themes, though, that we will be talking about And if there's one thing that I wanted us to hear first and right from the top is is the relentless, unstoppable compassion of God. That more than any sort of key theme that runs through the story of Jonah, that the God we worship, Yahweh, the God of the the Hebrews, the the Lord of the earth, the God Almighty is a compassionate, a relentlessly unstoppable, compassionate God. And so if we sort of have this in the forefront of our minds and um, uh, cooking on the front burner of our hearts throughout the course of the series, we'll be able to kind of pick up some nuggets along the way of what it means to follow Jesus in a world that is so uh, bitterly divided at this point. There's themes all over the book of Jonah of uh, God forgiving and loving and showing compassion towards people that we don't want him to show compassion towards. There's themes of calling and of restoration and there's types of Jesus with Jonah and you heard from Jesus and Jonah in the belly of the fish as the same that Jesus was in the heart of the earth, both for three days, Jonah sleeping asleep on the boat and Jesus asleep on the boat and these types that we need to pick up on as we read through the book of Jonah. And so this journey of Jonah's is worthy of our time and study together as a community. And that uh, we'll find, I believe, that this book of Jonah that's found in the Old Testament and he's listed as like a minor prophet has huge implications for our life today, thousands of years later. And we're all familiar with this story, aren't we? Well, somewhat we're familiar with it. Somewhat we're familiar with it. How many of you grew up listening to the story of Jonah? Well, you didn't grow up listening to the story of Jonah, per se, but you grew up listening to the story of Jonah and the whale, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that the the whale has little to do with the story. And we're not even sure if it was a whale. More on that in week two. (laughs) Keep the Greek word ketos in mind on the back burner. That's going to be a fun one. You're not going to want to miss that. But there seems to be this backwards interpretation or this Americanized version or westernized version of the story of the prophet of Jonah that's gotten so twisted and so messed up 
You know, through the, through the reading of a children's book of the, of the story of Jonah and the whale, the, the emphasis is on the, the fish, which just happens to appear, right? It's just like there all of a sudden. But in Scripture, we read that God sent that fish. God sent it to him. We're also given this picture of Jonah that's a caricature of, of somebody who's a victim, who, who ran away but finally saw the light. Which is not true. It's simply not true. The book of Jonah ends with a question. The book of Jonah, here it is, spoiler alert, Jonah's asking God to kill him because he'd rather die than see the Ninevites repent. Ouch! And then we never hear about Jonah again until Jesus' words, how we read this morning. And Jesus uses the prophet Jonah and sets it as literal history Right? So we know that the book of Jonah is not fictional. It's not an allegory. There really was a guy named Jonah, and there really was a guy named Jesus in history who sets Jonah in history and says, this guy, don't be like this guy. Don't be like him. And uses him as an anti-sign of all things. Jesus says, you want a sign? you're not going to get it. The only sign you get is a (laughs) non-sign. You get Jonah. That's who you get. And so this book is so strange, and it's best if we approach the book of Jonah as a piece of um, satire. And you'll hear from Tim Mackey here in a minute how all of the characters in the book of Jonah do the opposite of what we expect them to do. The great prophet of God The holy prophet of God runs away. He runs away from his call and he's a rebel. He disobeys. The sailors, the the grungy, dirty sailors, they repent and come to worship Yahweh. The whole city of Nineveh in in the kingdom of Assyria, the king of Nineveh himself, this wickedness that has risen to the nostrils, to the ears of the heart of God, the wickedness has traveled so far up that God has smelled it, heard it, tasted it. The king of Nineveh repents. The king of Nineveh repents. Even the cows repent. No lie. Even the cattle in Nineveh repent. And so it's helpful to approach the book of Jonah in that way. And I'll be posting uh, through the, the vehicle of the All Church email, which I wanted to bring our attention through, throughout the course of this study in the book of Jonah. And we'll read verse for verse. I think it's very helpful when a community uh, uh, studies or journeys through an entire book of the Bible together, and we're all on the same page. There's something unifying about it. And so throughout the course of the series, I'll be posting through the All Church email video devotionals, which we can follow along because we don't want it to be just about Sunday, but we want God's presence throughout our whole week. We want to bring God's presence to wherever we find ourselves at work. And so it's helpful to read a book of the Bible together and and journey that together. And one thing that we want to hear today is that God's love is bigger than our limited tribalism. You know, Jonah describes in this prayer from the belly of the fish that God, it's kind of like this lip service like to God being gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And Jonah got all of these things right about the character of God. 
these things are all true, but Jonah doesn't want this to be the way God responds to his enemies. And that's a key thought to keep in mind. Jonah wants God to be loving and compassionate to him, to his people. And a question I just sense the Holy Spirit posing to my heart is, don't we also carry uh, around some of that same self-centeredness in our thinking? And in our hearts, don't we want others to think and act just like we do in order to be a part of the Christian community? But thankfully, God's love surpasses all of the barriers that we establish. And that's a huge theme in the book of Jonah. God's big, this Hebrew word for big is used like a trillion times, not trillion, but a lot of times in the book of Jonah, the big fish, the great city of Nineveh. And so this theme of God's big mercy, God's big compassion that surpasses all of the barriers that we establish, the sovereignty of God in his heart towards people is huge. And you and I cannot get in the way of this relentless, unstoppable compassion. Even on our most disobedient days, this is what this means. Even on our most disobedient days, even on the days when we run as far away as we think we can run, God can still use you and I and will use you and I. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? That's good news to someone like me. <laughs> I don't, you all wouldn't struggle with this, but on my most disobedient days, God still uses me. He still moves through me. Jonah wanted nothing to do with the Assyrians, with the Ninevites, wanted nothing to do with them, ran as far away as he could get. Let's see that slide. Look how far Jonah ran. Look at where uh, people believe uh, Tarshish is in modern day like Spain. Look how far he ran. He's born in Gath Hefer and he travels down to Joppa across the Mediterranean Sea. It's like 180 degrees in the opposite direction. He's like, Nineveh's over here. I'm going to go this way. It's like going from Philadelphia to Los Angeles. I mean, it's a long, long way. Jonah's got a lot of time to think about this. And even on our most disobedient days, on however far we think we are from God, God still can use us. Jonah's a weird book because unlike the other prophetical writings in the Old Testament, say like Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of the major big prophets, right? Jonah, Jonah, there are five Hebrew prophetic words in the book of Jonah. The aim of the book of Isaiah, there are so many thus saith the Lord's. We use it every year in Isaiah 9 around Christmas time. So many prophecies in the book of Isaiah and the focus is on the prophecies themselves, not in Jonah. In the book of Jonah, the focus is on the attitude of the heart of Jonah. And so the focus is on the prophet himself, not the prophecies. And through a satirical look, we find that what God is doing through his word in the book of Jonah is he's holding up a giant mirror in front of our faces. I've been talking with a friend of mine recently about how scripture reads us. We don't read it. And Jonah is like that. Scripture always opposes you. Don't you hate it because of that? 
Scripture always stands on the other side. If you think you've got things figured out, get ready for a mystery. If you think you're good enough, get ready to hear what things you may need to work on. If you think you're terrible, get ready to hear about the extravagant, overwhelming, unstoppable, relentless compassion of God. Scripture always opposes us. And that's what we see in the book of Jonah, this big, giant mirror. So all kinds of themes that we're going to be studying and focusing on. And one key verse that I wanted to focus on today is in the final chapter. Um, It's in Jonah 4, verse 11. If we wanted to see that, should I not, this is God talking, should I not therefore be concerned about Nineveh? that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left hand and so many animals. So God is asking Jonah, it's almost like the Hebrew here, God's asking Jonah for permission to be compassionate towards the people of Nineveh. Hilarious. This phrase, be concerned about Nineveh. The word here is compassion, it's rahamin, it's emotion for mercy or compassion that God feels emotion uh, about uh, being compassionate towards individuals, towards entire city groups, people groups, uh, the entire world. Rahamin, it's derived from the, the, mo- the, the inmost motherly organ in the human body, the womb, raham. This is where the strongest connection of compassion and love are bonded between mother and the baby, respectively. Men may need to learn about this, but if you're a mother, no further words are necessary. You've experienced this compassion firsthand. So built with, so what, what we're trying to say is within, built within the phonetic, within the grammar of the Hebrew language, Rahemin is this image, this picture of the way God feels about human beings. That the safest place, the safest experience, the most loving experience that we could ever possibly imagine, the womb It's how God feels about us. That's extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah, the relentless, unstoppable compassion of God. Jesus says in Matthew 9, 36, when, he saw the, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Rather, Matthew says this about Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In the New Testament Greek, this word, he had compassion on them. I'm sure some of you have heard this before. It's like he was moved to his guts when he views humanity. Moved from his insides over you and me. And we know grace is, um, grace is uh, not getting something we deserve. Mercy and compassion is getting something we don't deserve. Think courtroom, uh, judge showing mercy on someone accused of a crime. And this is the way that our Father feels about us. 
Think of how many times that you don't, you or I, that we don't even know about that God has saved us from certain death. No exaggeration. There are probably at least a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand times throughout the course of your life that you have no idea about that God has literally saved your life. Without you even knowing. He's so smart. He's so brilliant. He's so compassionate. He did it all without your knowledge that you were even in the slightest bit of danger or trouble. Come on, you guys. I mean, come on. How good is he? How compassionate is he that he saves us from situations we, have, we know nothing about? The deep compassion of God. I don't know why, but those, um, those photographs from the James Webb telescope, have you guys seen those that have come out the past couple weeks? They're just peering deeper into space than we've ever seen before. And I don't know why it's connected here, but I'm just going to say it, that when I looked on them for the first time in, the, in, in, in view of studying the book of Jonah over the past couple of months, I heard that, um, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, that's how deeply and how clearly my compassion is for you. And here are these galaxies, millions of light years away that are just lit up and bright and shining. And how far we're able to see into the heavens, God sees even deeper into our own hearts with more clarity. He's just amazing. We think that's amazing. We're like, oh my gosh, we can see a couple million light years away. God's like, that's peanuts compared to how deeply I can see into your heart. And I just felt so known and seen by the Lord in that. And so um, I wanted to show you all a video. And this is uh, Tim Mackey, who is a friend of of the Vineyard Movement. And um, he runs this thing called the Bible Project. And he creates these amazing uh, videos to help us grasp uh, Scripture, to help us read Scripture and understand Scripture. It's about nine minutes long, so settle in. It's like Sunday morning. No, no, settle in. It's going to be okay. You don't need to leave kicking and screaming, for sure. For sure, it's going to be okay. Um, and so I wanted you guys to, uh, to check this out. This has been um, just formative for my understanding. It's funny to say that, that a cartoon, an illustration has been formative to my under, understanding of the Word of God. But it really has. It's just really... Um, it's just really lit up. And Mackie, you know, his first class in seminary was about the book of Jonah years and years ago. And so he's just a huge fan of the book and has tons of insight and tons of knowledge about the book of Jonah. So let's check, check this video out and then we'll close here in about nine minutes. Yeah, real good, right? Yeah. This morning, um, as we move into a time of ministry together, I wanted us to uh, pay attention to Jonah 3, verse 1. In the short little phrase, after Jonah has fled the call of the Lord, has um, gone completely the opposite direction after he's been vomited up by the fish. 
There's this short little phrase in chapter 3, verse 1, which reads this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. That's it. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I wonder how, how deeply our hearts perceive uh, the truth of, of that verse. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I wanted to pause there and just sit with the reality that God is a God of second chances, of third chances, fourth chances, four million chances, and is always offering his compassion time and time again. Indeed, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And I wonder how many of us in the room could relate with that and say, I need the compassion of God in my life to see others with. A second time, I feel like I don't even have God's compassion the first time, some of you might be saying. So we're going to move into a time of ministry. Would you join me in standing?